Hello and welcome to Cruise Club. We've got the need, the need to podcast. This is episode 25 of The Last Samurai from 2003. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And with us tonight, we have our resident Japanese expert, expert on Japan. <laughs> she was with us for Outcast on Cage Club. She was with us for 47 Ronin on Keanu Club. She was with us for, was there a Japanese Charlize movie? I know she was on Charlize movies, but yeah, she, there's a Kubo Jap- oh, Kubo. Two Strings. Kubo and the Two Strings for Charlize Theron for Watch the Throne. And now, here she is to talk about The Last Samurai. We have Mad Holly Gore. Hello, Holly. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me back. Thank you for being here. Now, the quick question, I mean, I, I dropped your nickname. It's something that Mike and I have been calling you. After you watched Kubo, you did not like Kubo. We called you Mad Holly Gore. <laughs> Are you mad tonight or did you enjoy Last Samurai? I will say the first 30 to 40 minutes of this, I wanted to go back and beat up past me for ever volunteering to do this movie with you guys. Okay. Because not only did I remember that I don't really like historical films, I also don't know why I volunteered for a Tom Cruise uh, film <laughs> Okay, either. okay. So I, I guess you guys just got me on a real good day. I don't know. But as the movie went on, I was like, you know what? This isn't awful. The good news is that after that first half hour, you still have another two hours of the movie to like get, <laughs> let it win you over. So you've got nothing yeah. but time. Yeah, it's 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 pretty long. And I get that you have to have that length when you kind of have historical pieces because you want to try to cover everything and really not just fast forward because otherwise you lose context. But it definitely could have used some editing. Yes. And I feel like there's a lot of movies that I've been watching lately that are like two and a half hours long that I appreciate and I understand what they're doing. But at the same time, hey, guys. Make shorter movies. That's all I got to say about that. But before we get you, into the Forrest movie, Gump? that's all I got to say about Forrest that. Gump, uh, <laughs> Doctor Sleep, really good. Doctor Sleep, surprisingly good, like actually really good. Also, two and a half hours long doesn't need to be that long. I understand what you're doing. Let's shorten it up. Let's tighten it up. Before we talk to Holly about her history with Tom Cruise, sounds like she's not a huge fan of Tom Cruise. But before we get mm. there, before we get to the Last Samurai. Let me do a quick plot dump of what The Last Samurai oh, is about. Oh, you remembered, you remembered right up front. I sure I'm did, because so I was making notes. I was like, this is a very long movie. I need to make sure that I remember. So, okay. Tom Cruise plays a drunk Civil War hero who served under Custer, and he's making money by trading on his name. He's going around saying, you know, I am a war hero. Let me show you this gun. I was under Custer, blah, 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 blah. He gets fired from that job, but then gets hired for $500 a month to travel to Japan as a Western expert to help the Japanese transfer from basically the old way to the new way and help them train their army. It's like the 1870s-ish. They get forced into battle uh, against the samurai, against sort of the old way. The emperor leads them, like, you know, the, the guys that they have assembled, they get led into battle before they're ready. Cruz's mentor is killed. Cruz is captured. And just as he's about to get killed by this samurai in this, like, iconic red suit, he uh, stabs and kills this guy. And he's taken semi-hostage. Then they bring him back to their village. They kind of raise him sort of as their own. They heal him. They bring him back to life. The guy he killed, his widow, is forced to take care of him. Reception to him is mixed in town. Like I was thinking of Tokyo Drift, he's kind of the the gaijin. The gaijin, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, he's kind of yeah. the uh, the Sean here. They dry him out because he is a drunk. He gets dried out. He gets sobered up. Shout out to Waking Up in Reno, which Holly was on. Ken Watanabe plays this guy Katsumoto, who learns how to speak or, or he like improves his English by hanging out with Tom Cruise. Uh, he also wants to understand his enemy, the more modern army. Cruise trains to become a samurai. He gets closer with the people. He teaches them how to play baseball. It's adorable. There's a long time there where he's just getting close to the townsfolk. A bunch of ninjas attack. Tom Cruise helps defend the town. They go and meet with the Emperor. Cruise has tried to re- be re-recruited to help take down the samurai. He says, no, no, no. Breaks Katsumoto out. 
They go back. The Emperor is like, we got to go wipe these people out. They have all this modern tech. They have these howitzer cannons. They have Gatling guns. The samurai then sort of stage one last stand, and they kind of all get gunned down. But Tom Cruise survives. He's basically the only one who survives in the end. The Japanese army pays respect. The, the modern Japanese army kind of pays respect to the fallen samurai. They sort of bow to them at the very, very end. Tom Cruise then brings the sword of Katsumoto to the emperor and just says, I want you to remember him. And so this guy sort of swears off this trade deal, realizes he has to balance kind of the new way with the old way. And that's kind of a lot of things. And I feel like I'm sort of leaving things out. But it's kind of generally, I think, the gist of this movie, would mm-hmm. you say? Yeah, good job yeah. right there. You only left well, that, thank like, you so much. you know, describing the giant battle sequences. And these battle sequences are kind of magnificent. Like, they are yeah. on a huge scale. This reminded me a lot, a lot, Mike, and I don't know, Holly, if you've seen this movie back from, like, 1990 called Far and Away, I which is the first, no, the second, or 1992, maybe, 93? It's the second movie of three he did with Nicole Kidman, mm-hmm. and he plays this Irish peasant who comes to America, and they get in a land grab, and, like, it's just this sweeping epic narrative, also set in the 1800s. About hats. Or, yeah, how do you bite my hat, Shannon? And it is another two-and-a-half-hour movie that is just kind of epic in scale and kind of magnificent. They, these movies kind of couldn't be less alike, but also are very, very similar in a lot of ways, even though they're both the kind of movie... I generally wouldn't like. I think the way that they're done and Tom Cruise in the role, I really like both of them. Yeah, I'd never seen this before. I was really looking forward to watching it. I um, was pretty blown away. I mean, look, it's not like Kurosawa, right? But, like, it's really good. Like, I was pretty surprised, like, every, you know, 20, 30 minutes, something would happen where I would, like, re-engage and get sink back into it, and, yeah, it's a it's a big sweeping epic, you kind of gotta be up for that, I suppose, it is long, feels long, but uh, I felt like it paid off for me. I was very surprised watching this, I, had, I really liked it. Now, Holly, did you, overall, would you say that you liked this movie? I know it's sort of, you weren't really on board early on, but at the end of the day, if you said, if you liked it or didn't like it, would you give this a fresh, would you give it a tomato or a tomato peel on Rotten Tomatoes? Good movie, bad movie what did you think so i would give it a fresh so i tried to keep in mind that when this came out it was what 2003 correct uh yes Mm -hmm. so so i tried to just be like all right in 2003 would this have been cool would this have been exciting if this came on as uh hbo's saturday night movie would i have sat there and finished it and i the answer to that is yes that is a perfect way to look at it yeah there were there were definitely some tropes where i'm like yeah like you know like the whole white savior like i'm gonna come in and, and teach the japanese about the japanese but again, that's kind of like a more modern day thing. Back in 2003, nobody gave a shit about that. So Yeah, this was before Ryan Gosling saved jazz in La La Land. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a different time altogether. <laughs> before we dive deep into this movie, do you have, and it sounds like you're not crazy about him. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Mm. A, do you like Tom Cruise? And B, do you have a favorite Tom Cruise movie? So I wouldn't say that I dislike him, but the whole, have you guys already like, addressed Scientology like is it a dead horse oh, if I bring that we're up? in no, and out of we, it yeah we sort of bring it up and okay down. I, I think just because of that he, he kind of I don't have a strong opinion of him if I had to choose a favorite Tom Cruise movie it would be Eyes Wide Shut because okay. I remember when growing up we had like free HBO and being a lewd pervert teenager whenever it would come <laughs> on I'd be like I'm gonna watch this so I can see people fuck 
Because it was like Man. the first movie, like, I guess, like, I heard, like, as, like, a high schooler, like, oh, you got to watch Eyes Wide Shut. There's, like, nudity and, like, weird fetish shit. And I was like, yeah. Because um, before, like, you know, the age of, like, internet and Pornhub and just sure. everything at your fingertips. So, like, as embarrassing as this is, that movie stands out as, like, the movie that I'm like, oh, Tom Cruise, Eyes Wide Shut, because it was just so... That was the movie. No, what I love <laughs> is I had a friend who was just like that, who like, you know, when his parents would go to bed, he'd like just stay up and be like, what movie can I watch on HBO or whatever that like I can see boobs or whatever? And yeah, our big exactly. movie was Boogie Nights. <laughs> like, again, like Boogie Nights <laughs> and Eyes Wide Shut, like two of probably the best movies of the 90s, right? Like these like classics, amazing world-class filmmakers. And yet so many kids like us are just like, <laughs> yeah, fucking tits, man. Like, that's cool. Like, yeah, let's see people fuck. I just, I love, <laughs> I love that it's like this back door into like auteur cinema you're just like yeah man boobs cool well you know you go for like the lowest common denominator and then like as an adult you're like oh that was very like sophisticated and the costume design was excellent but yeah when you're like 14 you're like i want to watch people fuck yeah and i also do want to say that i love your idea of would i have kept this on hbo on saturday night because i for for like several years when i was living with my parents and they had like we didn't have like 12 hbo channels we had like the one hbo we had one yep. cinemax and like on saturday nights there was like an hbo movie and a cinemax movie and a stars movie and like on a good week like one or two of them would be good and i'm just like i, I remember like looking ahead and being like oh what's the new movies this week do i want to see any of them and like getting really excited when there's one that i wanted to see so like that feeling that mentality that mindset like really brings me back to like a very specific kind of couple year span where I'm like, ooh, like before I was really going to the theaters a lot and waiting for everything to hit sort of TV, I was like, ooh, like what's it going to be? And so I love that. I, I love that way of thinking about, you know, would I have kept this movie on? Would I have turned this off? It's a very, you know, specific of that moment kind of mindset. I love it. And HBO actually still does their Saturday night movie. So I think as we record this, this past week was us. So I guess I don't know what's ooh. in between. Actually, let me look it up. Before we go any much further and just sort of blabbering about anything, Holly, if you had to pick a favorite moment, a favorite scene, a line, a character, what would you say your favorite part of The Last Samurai is? What about, what about this movie that you like more than anything else? There's a moment when he's interacting with the widow. There's an exchange that's just very kind of honorable. Like, she's come around to being like, yeah, this guy killed my husband, Like, but this is life now, and like I can either be resentful and hold on to that forever just get past it and like try to accept this guy i kind of liked their growing interactions there's like that part where he's learning japanese with the children and i thought that was very interesting joey to see tom cruise you know with kids again we haven't really seen much of that throughout his career we see yeah. the, the lip nicky interaction is probably like the most extreme we've had with that so far so yeah, is he like the opposite of america's dad yeah pretty much he's just like america's drunk uncle stepdad stepdad yeah they, yeah because of this movie he's the stepdad yeah there's a there's a wild dynamic here in terms of him basically replacing in many ways the man that he murdered like literally in the armor figuratively in the life of the children and the wife like there's so much going on here that i feel like the movie does a really good job of but they also if they wanted to could have gone like way way further because i think holly mm. i think you're right like that's a that's a really interesting dynamic there yeah so the the scene is when he's helping her carry something and she said like most men oh, don't do this yes, kind yes, of work yes. and he says i'm not most men and it's like she's 
kind of low-key throwing him some shade but it's also a compliment and he's like accepting that so like that scene that interaction i was like oh this is actually kind of like tender yeah mike what do you think about their relationship or him in that family i mean it's very uh it's that's a tough situation right like even for for everyone involved i feel you know i did it could have been the entire movie as well i feel like they touched upon it as much as they could in just the right ways and it's sort of sprinkled in and throughout there but it's not sort of like the main crux of of what's going like I didn't I wasn't I wasn't really focused on that as much as I was his relationship with Ken Watanabe and war and all of that kind of thing so I'm glad it was in there and I like those those moments are nice and I definitely liked seeing family crews again yeah the family man yeah <laughs> Mike, what about you? What was your favorite part of The Last Samurai? I've got a lot. I think they set him up so well in the beginning as like this guy, like almost like with a death wish when he's like captured, he's easily easily sort of remolded into like a new person. It's, I don't know. I really like Cruz in this role. I love when he's like detoxing and he's yelling Saki, Saki. Like that's a <laughs> funny moment. Like my favorite sequence is definitely, oh my God, man, when those ninjas attacked, I was like ninjas and like jumped up in my seat. And like that was just riveting. The whole battle there when him and Ken Wananabe go back to back at the end. I mean, it just goes on and on and, and it's all there on the screen and real and choreographed and and you can follow it but it it feels like hectic but like readable and I was just so impressed by that point already with like a lot of the battle stuff but this ninja attack was just like I was not you know you don't expect ninjas in the first place but I was definitely not expecting them to show up in this movie so ninjas versus samurai was like insane yeah I think there's a lot of like really good like the imagery them uh, the imagery there of them just like in all black just sneaking up and you know wreaking havoc in the town like things breaking bad like it's it's great to see, and then Tom, like, that's kind of the first moment, like, he's kind of earned his keep up to that point, right, but this is finally the moment where he's like, no, I'm actually here, like, I have val- I have value, I have merit, like, I'm going to, like, he saves Ken Watanabe's life, like, he saves yeah. Katsumoto's life mm-hmm. in that battle, and he sort of shows, like, your training of me did not, was not in vain. Yeah, he was used to, like, getting his ass kicked to gain respect by everybody, right, but then he started kicking ass, and everyone was like, okay, like, yeah, he's definitely on our side, like, we can trust him. Um, like there's just a lot of storytelling throughout that battle sequence basically comes out the other side like a member of their village I, i'd say you know he helped defend defend the town so i, I don't know what i would say is my favorite because i my favorite moment because there's so much of this i think i really love him in this role on the one hand i think holly's point about him being a white savior is valid and i think that it's hard to sometimes look at that and be like oh like is this but it's kind of okay? it's it's based on an actual guy it is everything's it, right? based on, yeah. actual, so, on actual people and actual time yeah in that sense i can understand it feels a little westernized a little i mean it is extremely westernized but like yeah. it, you know but it's you also can't kind of the around... point of the story like he's kind of westernizing yeah. the people right like he's mm-hmm. literally paid to westernize what we can call new japan right and then he goes to old Japan and sort of has to is sort of forced to kind of westernize them a little bit, sort of to keep up, right? So like it narratively has a point, I think. Yeah, yeah. It's not like this was fiction a lot. You know, I'd have a much bigger problem if this was a fictional story and they just like you know mm-hmm. dropped a white guy to be Mister Samurai and it's just like oof, you know, like yeah, this happened. Uh, it makes sense, and so I go with it. One of the moments I think that's going to stick with me from this movie, as much as. You know, anything from any movie sticks to me because everything's just basically in one eye, out the other. At the end, when Ken Watanabe is dying, when Katsumoto is dying, and, you know, he just says, I will miss our conversations, and helps him die with honor on the battlefield. Like, I think that that's just such a powerful closure to their relationship. And then him taking his sword, 
and presenting to the Emperor, like, this outsider who was captured by these people. These people wanted to kill him, and then brought him in and nursed him back to health and gave him deeper purpose and meaning and sort of a second chance at life for him to then go all the way and return the favor. Like, I think that that's kind of remarkable. Like, it's just, it's such a beautiful ending, I think, to this unlikely bond that he formed with Ken Watanabe. Well, and it just shows how much he respects him because he's like, I want to die. And he's like, all right. Like, he doesn't try to talk him out of it or whatever. He's just like, I accept your decision as a man and like gives him a nice big bro hug and helps drive the sword in. Yeah, it it was actually a sweet scene. Joey, I kept thinking about how many uh, podcasts we've done that have included the you know this Harry Carey ritual or like the you know stabbing oneself in the belly you know it, it, it was in the Keanu movie right like didn't all 47 Ronin do it at the same time mm-hmm, at the end I think so Cage has done it to himself in Tokarev aka um, Rage yes aka Rage oh well, actually, no not in Rage just in Tokarev oh right yes it was cut in out in the original like, cut yes Probably other other others like I'm thinking Harakari Death of a Samurai like the Takashi Miki movie because uh, he sort of was all, for a while alternating between like modern Japanese movies mm. and like samurai movies. Like before before we do this, like let let me tell the story, and that's crazy too. Yeah, mm. but it's, it it doesn't happen a lot. But when it happens, we podcast about it. Apparently, <laughs> I I really love their relationship in this movie because. Tom Cruise's character, like, I just get this, like, he's so filled with remorse for what he was sort of did with Custer, or what he just did, you know, he he helped with the genocide of the Native American people. Like, that's basically, like, the blood on his hands, you know? So, like, he's already feel, feels a little like he's on the wrong side when, when he's going up you know, to Japan, I contend. And so I kind of, from a character view, understand how they could forge such a strong bond, you know, because it's almost his chance to, like, redeem himself in a bit of a way, like his soul almost, by, like, not making friends with the enemy, but I legit feel like he's come around to that point of view, forge, like, an actual relationship with this dude. And it, and Ken Watanabe's such a great actor in everything he's in. New Godzilla's, what's up? By the time, you know, he helps him kill him, it's like, you know, they're friends, right? So, like, it's like watching... I I buy that friendship by the end of the movie and everything. It's very heavy. And Ken Watanabe is also in a couple Cinemakers movies, a couple Christopher Nolan movies. And me, while I was looking up his IMDb while uh, I was watching this movie, I was like... Oh, he's in Inception and Batman Begins. I was like, is he the same character? And I was like, for a second, I was like, they're the same universe, right? And I was like, wait a minute, they're not even, what? No. Very wildly different. He was Academy Award nominated for this movie. This was the first movie he ever did where he spoke English. Oh, shit. Wow. Um, this is the only Academy Award nomination that he's ever gotten, at least so far. But he's but really, he's so really good, good in this movie. Yeah, I know. Yeah. so good. This movie got four Oscar nominations. He got one. Oh, good. Best set, direct, set decoration, best costume design, and best sound mixing. Did okay. not win any of those. But in terms of the visuals, in terms of the set dressing, the set decoration, uh, Hans Zimmer's 100th score. Like, the, this, is, this is a movie that has the look and the feel of, like, prestige. I think Tom Cruise is good, but Ken Watanabe is, like, incredible in this movie. Uh, I, I didn't know that this was, like, his first English-language film or anything like that, and I thought it was pretty clever how they incorporated... It almost felt like by the end it was equal measure uh, English and Japanese, but that's sort of the whole point of the movie, too, right? Was that the whole culture was being sort of uh, acclimated to the Western civilization and stuff, so, like, more... It would sort of make more sense that, like, when they would meet with the generals, they would 
try speaking English instead of Japanese or something because that's what they were sort、mm-hmm. of about and stuff. So, and, and I actually kind of think that Tom Cruise like, did pretty well. Like,、uh, he's done better than、uh, we've heard, I feel like, other actors try and pull off foreign languages. And his character has the benefit of only just learning the language, too. So, yeah, you know, Mike, like, for a while, and I think you, you've now come around to my side, for a while, I would say that I was never surprised when an actor could sing or dance or play an instrument because, like,、mm-hmm. in my mind, they all, like, grew up, like, no. Knowing they wanted to be, for the most part, knowing they wanted to be in show business and they wanted to be an actor, like they would learn how to play an instrument or sing or dance or whatever. You know, Ryan Gosling sings, dances, whatever, plays the ukulele. I'm like, cool, makes total, total sense. When someone busts out another language, I'm like, wait, what, how, how, what now? Huh? What? Cruise in this movie, I just watched on Netflix Earthquake Bird because it has、uh, your girl, Alicia Vikander, and my girl, Riley Keough. Uh, not a great movie, unfortunately. But Alicia Vikander speaks Japanese for like a quarter of the movie. I'm like, what? Like, weird? Ha- what? <laughs> and it's like, it, it sounds, I mean, to me, to my gaijin ears, sounds like good Japanese. I don't know if it is. And I'm just blown away by that. Holly, as someone who has spent a lot of time in Japan, was Tom Cruise's Japanese in this movie good or just like good to an outsider? No, it was actually pretty decent. I mean, I had looked up a little bit about this film and they had. Dialogue coaches, even to the point, you know, where they made sure that they spoke like honorific to generals and like casual to people and made sure like that all the、um, kind of formality around the language was there. But even when he's speaking,、uh, he doesn't sound, it's like, you know, somebody who would learn a language. It might be like a little bit stilted or slow, but you could still understand、uh, what he's saying. So I thought it was a really good attempt. It seems like a, a genuine attempt as a just like, Other actors that are like, oh, I have to speak this language, I'm going to phone it in. Like, he genuinely seems like, I guess, try to really、uh, internalize it. I'm glad that he, like, has he spoken other languages, Mike? Have we had him in other, has he、mm-hmm. done other languages? Not that I'm aware of. I mean, I think it just was stuck in my head because Cage in the last two movies tried to speak Spanish and it was just like mangled like, from the first syllable.、Uh, you know, so like I've just been on the lookout. I know Keanu in the past, I think, has. So like it's just been, it was just on my mind. I had my Cage Club goggles on. Just was there any accents in this movie? Any funny wardrobe? Like what's happening? <laughs> like I wonder if there's cruise connections that we're missing. I know there is.、Mm-hmm. Who's the actor? Timothy Spall was also in Vanilla Sky. So, there's yeah, a couple of movies、yeah. sort of almost back to back that he's in with Cruz. You know what I was thinking is that, like, it was so funny they showed Cruz teaching the kids how to play baseball because this takes place right after The Boy in Blue with Cage, where he was a schooner. A sculler, I'm sorry. Sculler, yeah, yeah. As soon as he became a champion, like, baseball hit the scene and, like, wiped out like, all, all interest in that. So, it was really funny to see、uh, the baseball going on in this. Yeah. Japan in a, in a, in a, in a land surrounded by water. Sculling should be incredibly popular, so he's got to bring everything he can just make baseball popular over there. Do you think he introduced, like, is, did he introduce baseball to Japan? Because that's huge. It's like second only, second or third to America, right? Like, that's such a pastime there, it seems now. But I, I, it crossed my mind, too. Like, I wonder if. If、so, like, they, Ichiro was... and Sadahara O and Hideki Matsui and everybody owe it to Tom Cruise? <laughs> yeah. Is it in this guy's diary that he was reading the whole, you know, doing the voiceover? Maybe.、Um, I also do want to point out that this director, Edward Zwick,、uh, would, will come back to do Jack Reacher Never Going Home, Never Go Home,、oh. Never Coming Back. What's the movie called?、Um, it's the Jack Reacher 2. Jack Reacher, The Last Reacher. No. Never <laughs> Go Back. That's the one with Colby Smulders. Yeah, yes,、okay. the sequel. I also want to point out that I was thinking after I. Read this thing about what the title referred to. Because, like, Last Samurai, you're thinking, like, is this, is Tom Cruise the Last Samurai? Is Ken Watanabe the Last Samurai? But it's the plural, it's like all of them are Last Samurai. 
which reminds me of the Last Jedi when they're mm-hmm. like when they realize in the German translation or whatever it's like the plural, like the last multiple Jedi, and so it's the same kind of thing. It's like the the group of them, right? It's the it's not just the one person. It's the it's a collection, which I think is nicer. Like I think yeah. it has a nicer sort of sweeter deeper more meaningful meaning yeah i was under the same impression uh but i guess it's it's plural i think it works better that way too you know because then it doesn't just mean that tom cruise stands alone as the last samurai right you know the last samurai was that white guy (laughs) that drunk who served under served under custer he he almost isn't even the samurai you know and you could say you know i mean he's part of like the crew but like technically and he puts on the armor but you know for realsies he's like not really well in that case then ken watanabe katsumoto was the last samurai right because he's the last one it seems like who's alive before cruise helps him commit harakari on the field, on the battlefield. So now, Holly, on the other, on the flip side of the coin, is there something about this movie that you didn't like? I know you didn't love the early parts. There's something about this you would change. What would you say is your least favorite moment, your least favorite part of The Last Samurai? I mean, yeah, I guess definitely the build. So when you first meet Tom Cruise, he's just a drunk with a tortured past. He killed a bunch of people, did a bunch of war crimes. So I'm like cool, I don't have any empathy for this guy. You're like, oh, but he's the main character, so I guess I'm kind of stuck along for the ride. (laughs) The first character I really like is, yeah, like Ken Watanabe, and then I'm just like, well, he could just kill Tom Cruise, and I'll follow this guy along. And throughout the course of the movie, yes, I grew to like him more, and, you know, he, he redeems himself. But, yeah, it just takes so long to get started. Like, I don't even think... He gets like kidnapped by the samurai until like what, like forty minutes in or something. It's yeah, a almost while. an hour. Could have like summarized it or gotten there a lot quicker. Picking up maybe where he gets captured, like yeah, like that. It would have benefited from that. Also, too, like I'm not a person that really likes that like long drawn out battle scenes. Like even in like the Avengers and the Marvel movies, I'm like, all right, come on guys, hurry <laughs> it up. Somebody just win here already. So yeah, I'm not the target audience for long historical battle scenes. It's funny. Cause I was thinking like in the final battle, I was like, I can't believe this is still going and going. And it like keeps <laughs> ramping up too. And I was like, this is almost trying my, almost testing me. But I also hear what you're saying about like the first sort of like, not, it's not even like the first act. It's like, it, it's almost like a prologue before he gets to Japan. And after they sort of introduce him journaling, uh, I was like, yeah, you probably could have started this movie, like him waking up drunk on the boat, like throwing up overboard and then being like, we're, you know, looks up and sees Mount Fuji and, you know, we're, we're there. And then we just get all the backstory through the movie because we learn Ken Watanabe somewhat obsessed with or becomes like extremely interested in his tactics. We learn that he's hired because people are interested in his past and what he's accomplished. So we, we sort of reiterate all that stuff anyway. I liked it because I like westerns and I like kind of seeing Tom Cruise a little bit in like a, in a western town shooting like one of the old like western guns and stuff. But mm-hmm. but I, I totally agree. A Winchester. I think, isn't there that, is there a movie Winchester 73, right? Yeah. He's shooting a Winchester 73. That, that's a great movie too. Yeah. Love that one. Yeah. It's, it's the kind of moment in the movie where I'm worried because he's just a drunk buffoon with a loaded gun. But it's also like showing that he is incredibly competent and knows what he's doing even when he's like looking the fool you know what i mean like it's this weird blend of like worry and also confidence he's a mat it's weird right like he's almost like got a superpower like he can't miss or like he's like drunken master or something like like it doesn't matter like he's just got this innate talent for what he does like he's just the best or something 
could be as intoxicated and inebriated or whatever, but like he could still shoot straight. Mike, what about you? Was there something about this that you didn't love? That's something that you would have changed or amended or taken out? This is long. Like I will say, it's it's pretty long, but it covers a lot of ground. Like I'm I'm kind of you know I didn't I gave it four out of five stars. So there are things that kind of like irk me. I'm having trouble sort of remembering like things I like don't really love. Um, I'd say probably like I, I mentioned it a couple of times, but like they do introduce sort of a voiceover of him going through like writing and being like these people are incredible like they're so gift like all that all i could i could do without that like i really did not need his voiceover going on i think we get what he means without it i think it would actually be a stronger without all that extra stuff it feels i don't know a little superfluous right like we're just, he's he's not adding anything to what we're seeing he's just talking about and describing what we're looking at i'm usually right there with you where i'm not on board necessarily with voiceover and for some reason in this movie it was working for me i think it was kind of okay. giving me flashes forward to the other tom club the other tom tom club podcast that we're gonna do maybe my favorite tom hanks movie of all time cloud atlas like it was giving me cloud mm-hmm. atlas kind of vibes where like because it was reading from a diary okay i, I was getting more forrest gumpy kind of oh vibes, yeah, I if, guess. If, yeah if, if, if that's the vibe <laughs> you're getting like i i believe me no hard feelings there, just like, okay. no, please, no, thank you. I think, like, the historical, like, where he's like, it's 1876, I don't know what day it is, I don't know what month it is, I'm losing all sense of time and place. Like, the kind of him going a little mad in this place, but then also him coming to accept it, I think okay. is a nice transition, a nice growth. I think maybe a little bit superfluous in some places, but I think overall, it worked for me. But I can also see like why you would think that like this didn't this isn't great. That's pretty much it. I think there was one other thing. Oh, so there was one thing in the end. I wasn't sure if it even actually happened. But okay, so you know how like when he's about to fight, when he becomes good at fighting, he sort of like has that Sherlock Holmes vision where he can like see all the moves ahead of time. That's I didn't like like they were trying to hint at that once or twice. So like, and there's a battle where he like is surrounded by six guys in the street in Tokyo, and he takes them all out without a sword. But then they replay the same scene in his mind, and it's, like, not different at all. I was like, that just wasted a lot of time right there. <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? Do you remember I that do. moment? Yeah, like, yeah, it yeah. totally like, ruined, thing, like, like when, that amazing scene. <laughs> when they're training, right, and the guy's like, yes. he's going to get hit in five, he's going to get hit in six or whatever. Yeah, and he, like, closes his eyes, meditates, and does, like, the Jedi thing and, and sees the future for a second. Like, I could have done without that. Like, I already, I already took him to be superhuman to a degree. I didn't need to know that he could, like, see the future. Now, Holly, is this the kind of movie is there some other actor and we play a game that we're going to get to later and actually we can talk about it now is there another actor you would have liked to have seen here in the tom cruise part that would have made you like it more like we, we always talk about you know because we're, because we're alternating the tom hanks and the tom cruise podcasts could tom hanks play this role i don't think that he can and we can answer that too but is there someone here that doesn't necessarily have the baggage in your mind of a tom cruise that you would have liked to have seen more in this part or do you think that he is kind of as good as his part could entail? Uh, I definitely think Tom Hanks could not have played this part. Um, I just don't think he would have been believable. Thinking about like other actors around this time, like maybe Edward Norton could have done it and been believable. Hmm. Huh. So when I read up about this, like he was like a French guy, I think. I don't know, like knowing that, I'm like, oh, okay, okay who's some other kind of like guys that may fit that like just profile in my mind and for whatever reason, Edward Norton comes and then he was also kind of a bigger name back then, like with the Hulk and um, Fight Club and everything. So here's an idea. So Holly, you give me an idea. So Mike, here's what we do. We go back in time mm-hmm. and we flip this role with Edward Norton in the Italian job. And we put Cruz as the villain oh, in the Italian job. So which works. good. 
and we put Edward Norton here, and then this just... I think it's still good, but I think that the the Italian job becomes great then. Yes. Dude, the Italian job becomes so much better. Because wow. it's the same year. They're both 2003. I like that choice, though. That that That's outside the box for me, because like I was just thinking of sort of another... Not big name, but like bigger sort of looking guy. Like I like the scrawniness sort of of Edward Norton, even though he bulks up for American History X. Like he could get big, but I, I was thinking of another Tom who I don't think was as popular back then as he is now. But I was thinking Tom Hardy would be kind of interesting mm. in this role. Mm-hmm. Like he's definitely got like the chops to do like to go through this ringer. So I'd like to see that. The one thing that we're really sort of not struggling with Holly, but the one thing that we're noticing is that really because Tom Hanks has acted has done so many more things than Tom Cruise because we're alternating we're not sticking by year we're almost a decade ahead right now in cruise club so like we're back in 94 for tom hanks and we're 2003 already for tom cruise but i feel Mm -hmm. like even the the differential now like between like where we are in both and then especially thinking about where tom hanks is going to get like they just take such wildly different career paths like i think they both kind of start as like 80s party boys sort of kind of <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to put it actually joey like i think you nailed it <laughs> and then tom cruise kind of stays there but just i don't know how to describe it but like he he's in that lane but grows up but then tom hanks like or tom hanks like really grows up i don't know what i don't know how to define where they go <laughs> I, I think but they, like they tom... wildly diverge in the woods yeah i think tom cruise keeps playing that role in more dramatic films and it works somehow like magically works until he can sort of sh- shift to full drama and then tom hanks just kind of goes tries to go full stop dramatic and has a lot of road bumps along the way until he can kind of even out like his tone a little bit to work that's how i've been sort of like trying to reflect on it tom hanks as america's dad like i think that he would play that kind of thing like the outsider right the the the, the man in the new family whatever like i think he could do that kind of thing but like the rest the movie the action the the growth everything like i don't see that i am shocked that we have not ever had tom hanks as a stepdad that blows my mind or may i don't know i mean do we i don't think we ever do but that would have been a terrific role for him and yeah has he ever done action ever like well, maybe like captain phillips or saving some private ryan but saving still... private ryan but that's yeah it's, like it's it's a different kind of like he's not i don't know like I haven't, it's I've not an action movie it's weird because the war films consequential action right like it's just because it's war it's not like he's rescuing like a baby from a burning inferno or you know that kind of like he's not like taking out terrorists like on a uh, yeah and like catch me if you can is action but it's also not like it's a lot of different things you know it's a spielberg movie right like that's it's it's less action than it is just spielberg right so yeah i didn't give my answer for my least favorite because i don't know that i have a thing like this is not my favorite movie i think just because the type of movie that it is it's never going to be my favorite movie i just i really like this movie I kind of wish that it was shorter. I don't know. I don't know specific like sequences or things. I think what you both suggested to cut, you know, I, I don't disagree with. But yeah, like I, I really enjoyed watching this movie. Like, there's a couple more. There's a couple movies that we're gonna have with with Cruise Club where I'm gonna be like, Ugh! like nothing to the point where like we just because Holly, we just did Forrest Gump and like for like a month leading up to Forrest Gump, Mike and I were like, oh god, like it's coming. Like we know it's coming, and we mm-hmm. got through it. And I'm not gonna have that kind of dread. But there's a couple things that I'm not looking forward to, but, like, I feel like even the kinds of movies like this where it's not a movie I would normally really, like, go for or want to watch, I find myself really enjoying it. And it's, I think, a testament to both the type of movie he does, but also the role he plays and what he brings to a movie. And I'm just really, um, you know, I'm... I'm here for the ride on Cruise Club. You know, I was really shocked about this is the craft, like the 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 practical 
action and effects i think i think that is part of what really elevated for me because in this day you know and this is only what 15 years ago and you know this could have easily been crazy and i'm sure there's cgi army stuff going on but like this could have been terrible to look at you know like cgi'd and all that kind of crap so i really respect that they did that they're all out there on the battlefield like choreographing these battles and stuff because like like holly kind of said about the marvel stuff like i i check out of those battles because like a lot of them are just too over the top and too cgi'd sometimes i mean they're still fun don't get me wrong but like they they get a bit lackadaisical i don't know like just Mm -hmm. they don't feel as important as as they want to but this i think aged really well in that regard like you go back and look at this and be like shit look at that that the body count in this movie is 558 like that is a lot of dead bodies in this movie and Um, a bunch of beheadings and things like they go for it man filmed in new zealand which I guess, you know, there's another another pretty popular franchise film in New Zealand that has another really high body count, but there's mostly orcs and stuff dying in those movies. <laughs> Big CG battles. Yeah, that's yes. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently the mountains in New Zealand represented or sort of looked enough like Mount Fuji, and there was enough sort of mountainous terrain to kind of resemble Tokyo at the time, so they just filmed everything there. Tom Cruise almost died while making this movie. What? Uh, How? There was a sword oh. swung within one inch of his neck, uh, he and the co-star were acting at a sword fight yes. when the incident happened. The guy he was acting with, Sonata, swung a sword at Cruz, who was on an off-camera mechanical horse at the time, but the machine reportedly malfunctioned and failed to duck at the right moment, and the guy stopped the blade just one inch from his neck. Holy oh. shit. I just saw some footage of him from another movie fucking up on a motorcycle that almost like took his leg off. Like, this guy is a maniac when it yeah. comes to to his dedication like yeah. insane like you wouldn't i don't think you would look at this movie and be like i mean i, I guess you kind of could especially knowing that story but like i don't feel like this is the kind of movie that you would look at and be like oh yeah like he's he's gonna get killed while making a movie one time you know what i mean but <laughs> it, i guess it it is like anything you know what i mean so well there's a lot of real horses here so and he's riding and he's in i think i only saw one shot where it was like stunt double but like other than that like it seemed like they either grafted his face onto his stunt double or he was really riding a lot of those horses in in a lot of those shots so you know there was a great horse check like some horse like checked another horse in this and the guy went flying so like that could have happened to him tom cruise spent almost two years preparing for this film which means that while he was doing both minority report and probably vanilla sky he was also working on this so he's taking swordplay instruction and japanese language lessons so preparing for this for a long long time that's so crazy i can't believe like he's filmed filming minority report that huge movie while like preparing for an even bigger movie while learning Japanese like yeah, yeah like you know I can I can do this action scene then I gotta go back to my trailer and you know learn how to say uh, it's hot it's hot I'm hot and the only other real cool trivia that I have is that the swordsmith in the village is a real swordsmith his name is Shoji Yoshihara oh it's not Hattori a, Hanzo I, I guess so sure. he's a Mukanza level master swordsmith one of the highest rankings in Japan so I think that it's cool. Sweet. Like, there's a lot, like, you know, if you look up the movie, if you research a movie, I think, like, it sounds like Holly did, and you look on IMDb Trivia or Wikipedia, like, a lot of these people are based on real people who are, like, really high-ranking in the Japanese military, and it's cool to see the actual, the integration or the inclusion of these people that are the, the greatest at their craft into this movie, because it's a wildly different, I mean, I know this is a movie that takes place, you know, 150 years ago or whatever, like, America was still around, but I feel like a country like Japan that has centuries and centuries and centuries of history, like, you can, you have so much more history to tell as opposed to, you know, we've been around for 250 years. It just feels different, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. I know this this takes place, I'm, like, it takes place while we uh, we existed, but 
And I feel like there's just such majesty to the history. And I think this movie sort of does it justice, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so such an undertaking to do any historical film. So I feel like the story that it did try to tell was communicated well enough to the point where I was like, oh, I kind of want to look this up rather than just being like, I hate this film. Again, not something I would necessarily pick out on my own. But when you volunteer for it here on the podcast, uh, you... <laughs> You see things through. Like, I, I know that you're usually just like, I'm just happy to talk to you guys. I'll just do whatever. And Mike and I are like, Japan, Holly, done. And <laughs> it's just association. I don't know that you necessarily agreed to this one as much as just a movie. But uh, we, we appreciate that you were here. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, um, you're Do you have welcome. any other thoughts before we play a couple games? Do you have any other thoughts? Any last favorite moments, favorite memories of The Last Samurai? Lost in Translation and Kill Bill had also come up around this time. And they are all three just very different looks at Japan. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so I don't know what America was all in a, like a Yegere Japan phase, but I thought that was a cool juxtaposition because you have like historical Japan, absolutely like cartoon comic book, like, you know, again, like uh, Uma Thurman, Hato, what is it? Hanzo Hattori Hanzo. Hattori mm-hmm. <laughs> Hanzo, thank you. And then you have like uh, Scarlett Johansson being like, I don't understand anything and I feel like an alien here. <laughs> Hattori Hanzo also liked baseball because Tom Cruise's character introduced it to Japan. Yeah. <laughs> for me, too. Just, like, hearing Japanese, having lived there, and having the experience, like, I'm always on board for that, so. And also, this is a couple, I mean, it's a couple years before. It's three years before, but uh, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift is also right around-ish this, area, this era, too, ah. so. You know, there's a lot of uh, outsiders going to Japan in this time period, so, you know, that movie inspired... My podcast partner over on Too Fast Too Forever to get drunk and book a trip to Japan. So I know that a lot of people like saw Lost in Translation and I think wanted to go to that hotel or wanted to go to Japan. You know, sometimes you just see cars drifting in a parking garage. Like I'm going to go to <laughs> I'm going to go to that district, the Shibuya district, and just you know whatever. So I will say, having been to that hotel because that is my favorite movie, and um, I went there. It was my bucket list item. It was 110 percent worth it. I would nice. recommend it to everybody and do it again. Very very cool. So, we already talked about, and I think I, the only one left, I think, is Mike. Mike, do you think that Tom Hanks could have played this role? Absolutely not. No. <laughs> I, I think this is a certifiable no. I think if there's any role, it's that Tom Cruise's, for lack of a better word, his boss, was it like a lieutenant mm-hmm. general guy that he throws the fucking sword at at the end? Like, you know, like, reminded me of when Yoda throws the lightsaber at the end of Attack of the Clothes. of like, holy shit, he threw the sword. No, I think that's probably the only role, like, fit for him in this entire movie, unfortunately, and it pains me to say I just... I just don't see him anywhere here. Oh, I do want to point out, as you were saying that, I realized that I did not yet mention that Tom Cruise was nominated for a Golden Globe for Best Performance by an Actor in a Motion Picture Drama, Tom Cruise. So he was nominated here, so he did not win at the Golden Globes that year. He was nominated, Ken Watanabe was nominated for Supporting Role, and Hans Zimmer nominated for Best Original Uh Score. So he lost Uh that year to Sean Penn for Mystic River. Still have to see that, okay. But it's the same year that Charlize won for Monster, so... Oh. What was Billy Connolly doing in this movie again? Like, I was so confused, and then he dies, like, immediately, and I forgot about him until, like, just now. But that was so confusing. I was like, Billy Connolly's here. Why? Is he the one who is, like, Cruz's mentor? No, I think he, like, brokered the deal between the Japanese. Is that what he did? Like, he found... He, like, scouted 
Tom Cruise for them? I, I don't know, but it was just so like confusing. I don't know why they even needed that character, and he just gets killed like immediately. <laughs> but we were just talking about all the other great actors and stuff, and it's just like this guy was just like in and out, <laughs> so wasted. A uh, very important question here, though. I think that he kind of scrambles, but I don't know. Does Tom Cruise run in this movie? There's times where he's like running mm. away in a battle, but he's not running, running right. as much as just like kind of retreating a little bit. Like, does he have a Tom Cruise run moment? No, it's not, not like... Not that I recall, no. Yeah, it's not like a trailer moment we've seen, like, in many other films where he's just running against the wind. Yeah, no, you'd think that there might have been one earlier on where he tried to run away from the mountain village and just, like, got, you know, trapped, like, on the rocks or something and had to turn back. Or running with the kids later or something, or... No, and even at the very end, he just sort of saunters back into the village and just, like, announces his presence. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a disappointment, but uh, I don't think that... I don't know that he does. Okay, a very important question. I think... Like, I was going to say no for sure... But I've got a way to say yes. Holly, we found someone on Twitter named Harperfect Harperfect who said you can replace Tom Cruise's character name in any movie with the name Lightning McQueen and not a thing would change. If we change Tom Cruise's name in The Last Samurai, Captain Nathan Algren, we change him to Captain Lightning McQueen, does this movie still work the same? No. I'm going to say, you say not no? At all. No. I'm going to say yes because he is the Gaijin. He's the outsider. And what more way, like, what bigger way to be considered an outsider than by having a crazy name that's named after a car? Because we only started naming children dumb shit in the last 15 years, like Apple or Plant. You know what it would have to be? It would, it would have to be some kind of, like, ceremonial name given to him as, like, a spirit animal or something. Because early on, I thought they were going to start calling him, like, the White Tiger. Because Ken Wandanabe, it seems like he had, like, this vision of a White Tiger. And then Cruz is fighting with the flag. But it never comes up whatsoever ever again it seemed so important at the time he's using a flag with a bolt of lightning on it instead in the country of ireland and like he gets nicknamed lightning mcqueen yeah and he's using that to like in that scene where he's like got the six guys around him he's like using it's like sort of like the he's got this the halberd or whatever you want to call it and it's just like the lightning the lightning sword i'm, I'm gonna say I'm going to say a little. I'm not going to say yes, but I'm going to say a little. I'm, I'm not going to accept this as a no. That's fine. You are entitled <laughs> to have your wrong opinion. Well, thank it's you. Our, it's your show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The final thing we have to do here, nominate this movie for some awards. Do we think this is worthy of a best film nomination for Tom Cruise? Is this, oh, one, of, is this one of Tom Cruise's best movies? Yeah. I think so. <laughs> I always like to go more lean more towards what the guest thinks because you know they don't always come back or anything so <laughs> I want their opinion to mean more but like this is one of my favorite Tom Cruise movies right now really uh, yeah isn't that something like I'd never seen it before really hit me and like I I mean I I love Japanese culture I've got a big Japanese tattoo on one of my arms and everything I've been over there when I was a teenager a huge collection of Famicom games I mean like I just <laughs> I, I this is a period that I'm not very familiar with. Godzilla came up in the 50s, not in like the 1850s and stuff. So like, it was nice seeing this bit of the culture, you know, represented and everything. So that on top of the great action and the great acting, like it just had me. That's a good reason. That's, I can't argue with that. Mike, do you agree with me? Do you get the same kind of far and away vibes here? Yeah, yeah. Like I think what helps with both of them, this a little more, is that they're period pieces that mostly take place in other countries. And that always helps for me when we're not dealing with like stuff I have like a general knowledge of, you know, like I kind of like and don't like westerns for that reason like there's the one era like a kind of a period piece i could kind of take for america like i don't know like it's weird i'm weird in that way i guess when it comes to period pieces i can't really watch like the the dramatic 
Jane Austen type ones so much as I need them to be like more based on like this kind of thing. Have you seen Love and Friendship? I have not. Oh, watch Love and Friendship. Love and Friendship is amazing. Might, it's on might change my mind. It might be the Rosetta Stone. It might sort of be like Sleepless in Seattle was for rom-coms. I guess so. Yeah, no, it, it is. Dramatic period pieces. It's so goddamn good. It's uh, Chloe Sevigny and Kate Beckinsale, and it's so good. And it's like 90 minutes. It's a perfect length. Uh, Love and Friendship on Amazon Prime. Do we want to nominate Edward Zwick as Best Filmmaker? Because he can do this in Jack Reacher 2. Um, or I no. mean, I want to kind of keep it to cruise as much as possible, right? We didn't want to really... Because we have a bunch of people here. I don't know if we... We might cut this category, and we also have a bunch of filmmakers there, so we can skip that. That's fine. Best cruise role? I think yes or no? Nathan Algren. Hmm. I mean, he does so much in this. Like, I think so. I think this guy was pretty incredible as a All person. Right. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, just based on this movie. Yeah, like like Holly said, like they really tried to do a good job of you hating him when the movie first started. And then, like, I didn't hate him when the movie ended. I think we also need to similarly nominate this for most badass role because he's a, he's a samurai. Yeah. Like, he's not... A samurai, but he's a samurai. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's as close as you can get. Right? Yeah. Like it's who oh boy. He's an honorary samurai, yeah. He's samurai adjacent at the very, very least. Most daring role to take, I'm gonna say no. Best fight? Uh actually him versus six guys. That's pretty good. I also like when he keeps getting up in the rain with the wooden sword. Mm. That's that's a pretty good that reminds me of a bunch of stuff though, when just but that fight at the end was great. Yeah, when he takes Is there on, like, one though? Because I mean like I think that's the problem, is that there's yeah. so many of these that are like very good, but is there one that really stands out among the rest? I think what flubs the fight at the end with the five guys is showing it twice. The first time it was just so cool and then they reshow it and it kind of like took the kick out of it. I like you know, it deflated it for me. I mean, it's still great. It's, I don't want, I don't know. Maybe we should just, put, um, it's your call tonight. I'll just say first five guys. Okay. Oh yeah, the first, the first, the first telling of that fight, not the second telling. Best theme song soundtrack score, do we want to, do we want to give uh, Hans Zimmer a little record? I think it was good, but I don't really remember a lot of it. Like, it's not like there was anything here. Like, I know it was nominated for Golden Globe, but I don't know if this is something that I was like, oh yeah. No, I wasn't really humming it or any of that. Best car chase race. I mean, you remember all those car chases here in uh, 1870s <laughs> Japan, right? Best dance scene. He does not dance. I don't yeah, think. Yeah, surprised. There is the play that they get attacked during, but he's not mm-hmm. participating. Best outfit wardrobe. I gotta say, the samurai suit, for sure. Right, that, that red armor, right? Best sunglasses, no. Best death does not die. Dude, I could not believe that he did not die. <laughs> for sure, thought if he was ever gonna die, it would have been mm-hmm. at the end of this movie. <laughs> Best line. There's a few. So here's... I wrote down some quotes. So here's what I... Here's some oh, quotes, and if you like one of these as the best, I think they're all worthy in some regard. Very early on, he says, for 500 bucks a month, I'll kill whatever you want, but keep one thing in uh-huh. mind, I'll happily kill you for free, which I think is kind of a badass drunken yeah. cruise line. He has this one line I wrote down, I am beset by the irony of my life. Ooh. <laughs> it's like, oh man, you're getting... You're getting the only other beset that I know from any movie is I am beset on all sides by the tyranny of evil. I like it's this is not one of his lines, but I like when he is when they're rescuing uh, Ken Watanabe. They go, "Don't you know who this is? This is the president of the United States of America." Oh yeah, that was pretty. The funny. guy's like, oh, "Oh my god, I'm so sorry." The, somebody says to him, "The way of the samurai." I think it might be Ken Watanabe. The way of the samurai is not necessary anymore. And he says, necessary? What could be more necessary? Maybe my favorite line, because they come to destroy what I've come to love. Like, why are you fighting? Is like, because I need to, like, I love, I, I, this is where I belong now. Yeah, that, that's nice. That sort of encapsulates everything. Yeah, he has everything. A, a good number of quotables here. Like, they really, like, 
the more they get to know each other, the more they just start to wax poetic about life and everything. Yeah. His sword saying, I, the, 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 the writing, the, the inscription on his sword saying, I belong to the warrior in whom the old ways have joined the new. Like, that's not a quote, but I think that's a great, not a quote that he says, but I think a great way to encapsulate him in the movie. Uh, I already said, I will miss our conversations. I was like, at the very, very end, when the emperor says, tell me how he died, he says, I will tell you how he lived. Yes. Yeah, so I that I like that a lot. So I'll say that I'll, I'll put that in there. I think that's a nice way to because I think that I don't know if that's the last line of the movie, but it's it's one of the last lines, right? It's well, just it's about so applicable. I mean, like how many people like in this current day and age, like they die and you don't be like, oh, he died because he like had a piano fall on him. You're like, oh, he was a real nice guy, charitable. <laughs> I also what I like about that quote is that now back to back alphabetically because I haven't it alphabetically. We have tell me how he died, and then right below that we have tell me you like my hat, say you like my hat. In Far and Away. So both of these same movies <laughs> both tell me quotes. Best freak out? No. Best sex scene? No. Most athletic feat? Is there anything he oh, doesn't hear that's ath- like incredibly athletic? I mean, tons of stuff, right? But I think like even just the, I'm going to call it the sword test. Uh, when that guy, when he just, the first time he picks up the wooden sword and the guy just keeps beating him down and he keeps getting, standing up. I mean, this guy gets his ass handed to him like a lot and it just keeps ticking. I, I feel like it's, he's pretty impressive but is there a specific because i agree but is there a single specific thing maybe when he throws the sword at the dude and like gets him right through the heart like that was pretty impressive feat. but this, like, did he <laughs> actually do that or did he not like that's the kind of that's the word that's, that's where the, the line blurs here you know what i, mean? I see like... i see i see so for tom cruise you mean i mean learning i mean doing the horseback riding with the sword and speaking japanese and and everything like but speaking I, japanese is not an athletic feat yeah, yeah, I know. That's true. That's true. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to add it on the list of everything else he's doing here. But I mean, I guess it's nothing more that he did in Far and Away necessarily, right? Like he got into a lot of drunken brawls instead of sword fights. Yeah, because in Far and Away we have taming a wild horses. horse. Yeah, so. that. Oh, right. He punches it in the face. <laughs> <laughs> How could I forget? <laughs> Never mind. Case uh, closed. <laughs> best running scene. There is not one. Best or worst love story. I mean, it's kind of a tender understated love story, but we're not going to uh, include that here, I don't think. Best ensemble cast? No, but no. Best, best non-cruise actor, male or female, we got to say Ken Watanabe. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he, he gave me vibes the way I got vibes watching Denzel again in, in um, Philadelphia. You know, it's like, here, you got Hanks and Cruz are these two actors who are just like, elevating the people around them and like making them shine. or maybe it's vice versa i don't i don't know what it is but there's just great chemistry between the two of them in this movie so cool so we have seven nominees best film best role most badass role best fight best outfit wardrobe best line and best non-cruise actor male nice. pretty solid showing here for the last samurai now mike next movie for mr tom cruise we have a movie called collateral which yes. i really 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 like oh, yes love it the next movie that you and i are covering before then though over on hanks for the memories or other feed we're going to outer space for apollo 13 yes also love that so not to sort of spoil it but yeah but holly thank you so much for joining us tonight for the last samurai you will be back before too long over on our other feed for Castaway. Yay! Over on Hanks the Memories. So thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. And we look forward to having you again back here soon-ish over on Hanks the Memories. So thank you for coming. You're welcome. Thanks. I've never seen Castaway, so I'm really excited to watch it for the first time. Well, our guest for Forrest Gump had never seen Forrest Gump before. Like, how is that possible? Stop it! it. Seriously? Yeah. Seriously. I think that's why he signed up for it, because he had never seen it. He's just like, I I should probably see this movie. And spoiler, none of us really liked it. But I mean, (laughs) you know, it... Because it's, it's hard to, I don't know, go listen to it. Go listen to, back, go back in the archives and hear Holly's 
five episodes or something, four or five episodes that she's done. She's been on a bunch of episodes with us, and we love having her. Mm-hmm. Go check out Waking Up in Reno, where she and I defend the hell out of a movie <laughs> against Mike, who is has come around on his Waking Up in Reno apology Big tour. Time. Mm-hmm. But before all that Remember happened, that. <laughs> go back in time and listen to Or you can to listen us. to the flip side. To the, what's the Jason Momoa one? Oh, um, the Bad oh. Batch. Yes, we are all Bad Batch, for sure. <laughs> yes. That was where Mad Holly Gore began. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where uh, I was kind of, like, I like that movie, but I don't love that. And Mike's like, yeah, it's my favorite movie of the year. And Matt and Holly was just like, ugh, I do not, mm, <laughs> nope, mm-mm, nope. But uh, yeah, her so namesake. Holly, always a delight to have you. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, guys. Always a pleasure. For all things Cruise Club and Hanks and the Memories and all 26 shows on the network, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash cageclub, or at cageclubpod on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, run at cageclub.me. Come back next week over on Hanks for the Memories for Apollo 13. Come back in two weeks for the Michael Mann movie, Collateral. Go check out all 20... 25 episodes of Cruise Club so far. We are flying through more than halfway done. Uh, lots of good stuff still to come, though. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Holly Gore. We'll see you next time right here on Cruise Club. <laughs>